This, this is, is a current, current motion. motion. Current motion, our, our community's online meeting place. Laura Lai there by the beautiful Taylor Young, based up in uh, Queensland. Yeah, I can't wait for um, artists to start moving about the country and um, doing live gigs across the place. But don't forget, there's always live stream. While it's not exactly the same, at least it gives us the opportunity to connect somehow. Speaking of connect and connection, we have two amazing men online at the moment, and it is Dean Walsh and Andrew Bat Rolden, and um, they're going to let us know more about what they do. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yes. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a beautiful... Like Tweedledee and Tweedledum in Bedfield, COVID, <laughs> COVID morning. Yeah, why not? <laughs> We're allowed to do that. Yeah, thanks so much for jumping on to the Brecky Show this morning. And just before we go into it, yeah, it's nice to um, also reconnect with you, Dean, because, yeah, like we like we remembered yesterday when we caught up, used to teach yoga, and yoga back in the day was one of my go-tos just for um, getting to know myself and reconnecting with myself, and it was uh, nice to reconnect with you also, and right now on yes. the Brecky Show. I know, isn't it awesome? Like we can be in the same city, but still not, you know, make continued connections until suddenly I see your face and your name ring, rang a bell and went, ah, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. <laughs> and nice that, a, that an ex um, who's, you know, one of my one of my besties, still Rodney um, Turner, who's a mutual friend, just reminded me how, um, yeah, this the old 90s, Beauty of mates back in the nineties. <laughs> I know it, it was a wonderful time. I guess for me coming down to Sydney and just being able to, uh, yeah, start slowly becoming who I am. Yeah, but of course, it's a gradual journey. But for everyone tuning in, we do have Dean and we have Andrew on the line. Do you both want to um, let us know a little bit about yourselves? Let's start with Andrew. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Andrew. All right. Well, hi. Yeah. Well, I guess um, I am a composer and I uh, started getting into contemporary performance about six years ago when I met Dean. I've done a lot of things in life, although I formally trained in music composition at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, I went into uh, pretty much production immediately straight after the con and started a small contemporary music ensemble. We commissioned composers from around Australia. We even went into Mardi Gras a couple of times, uh, commissioning gay composers, specifically contemporary art music. After some time, I ended up getting into publishing and I, I, I bought Limelight magazine, which uh, then I subsequently sold. And yeah, ended up back in Sydney because of Dean, uh, falling head over heels for him about five years ago. Huh. And coming back to the Emerald City. Yep. <laughs> no, darling, Sin City. Uh, and here we are. So that's that's nutshell. I, th I think that's that's what we can do at this time, isn't it? Is that it? Yes, I, I, think, I think that's it. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, it's so nice when you get to a certain age and then you um, are able to 
nutshell your journey <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's quite amazing it's like what do i leave out what do i put in and there's so much i mean we'll talk about it later and it's that warm data that that um you mentioned and that i've been yeah. Yeah. to as well yeah while we're nutshelling there's a lot of extra data that we leave out but it's 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 what shines through in the nutshell you crack it open and there it is life begins again well you know good luck with my nutshell <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, uh, no i'm ready for it we've got we've got uh 45 minutes for your nutshell dean right okay yeah <laughs> so there's lots of nuts so let's just emphasize the nuts in the shell yeah <laughs> yeah so i have done a lot of things in 30 years i guess and i found dance very uh quite a lot later than most of my other you know contemporary dance colleagues and that was when i was 20 and i studied over at bowden visa dance center and i tell you this like really be raw beginnings because i do think it's important to some of what we're going to contextualize today in this interview i came from a you know a, a well above average into the extreme upbringing and a lot of domestic violence first with the biological father and mother and they were both way too young to really get married from lowest class stock and there was a huge amount of abuse inside that uh, you know totally disharmonized environment but we eventually you know my parents divorced and that was a really great thing and then we ended up in the clutches of a pretty heavy um like a mobster mm -hmm. and you know i'm just at the moment going through some of this um have been in the last few years to try and uh finally put some of the abuse that he was capable of and that was very um, sexually aggressive and um, intense. And um, he was also extremely connected to some heavy-handed people. So it was always a thing that couldn't be spoken about for well beyond just the let's keep this a secret kid type thing. I'm sort of revisiting a lot of that because I was diagnosed about five years ago now, six years ago. Um, finally, as living on the spectrum, as you know, higher functioning autism, um, that's laid hidden underneath all of that complex trauma for a very long fucking time. And also six months after that, ADHD. And so that was like, that was in 2015, after coming back from a really especially heavy place personally. And it was also to do with the George Brandis collapse of Australia Council and so many projects at the time that I, you know, do struggle very much with trying to get into momentum with and always have. But it's interesting that coming back up out of that particular um, dark period where I went into super hypervigilance and um, tried to create videos against the government for all of Australian artists and overdid myself, I came back up with a new diagnosis over about a 12 month period on diagnoses and they were it was almost like this kind of golden chalice of information that I knew existed but couldn't ever articulate. Like I knew these different particular wild, wonderful, weird quirks were also something else. I always felt quite alien and misfitting beyond what I knew was my abuse. So that was a massive change for me and has really consolidated a lot of my previous three decades in terms of 
the things that I've done and the things that I've chosen to do and the very wild, uh, detailed research projects that are often really quite unorthodox and extremely diverse and have always put people a little sort of offside, you know, gently offside or, or, or confused as to where I'm at until they start seeing the benefits come up a little while later. So. One of those is working a lot with people with disability, especially with intellectual disability or neurodivergency. So it was quite ironic to be diagnosed myself as being on par with all of these um, people that I work with. And the other is working through marine environmentalism or embodied marine environmental awareness through my dance practice and my matured now choreographic and movement research practice and I'm very passionate about um, marine environments and subaquatic space and, and making sure that we're all much more aware of sea country and what goes on out and down underneath that vast prehistoric you know space medium. I love the word um, research and that you've traveled so far inside yourself and also I guess deep like subaquatic and how that's come to form a major part of what you're doing now. I love the marine and aquatic aspect too because I grew up around water and um, yeah, years ago I was either wanting to be a vet and then I changed to, I wanted to be a marine biologist, but I became a dancer instead. So it's nice to nice to know that you have that um, aspect in your life and in your, in your work too, especially with weirdness. So can you let us know about weirdness and what the organization's involved in you've mentioned a little bit and what it stands for and how all of that comes into it with both yourself and andrew's background sure i might um what i'm going to do so one thing i i often start with now when i do interviews and things like this especially if they're live is to just sort of foreground that you know with what i now know about myself and that i see in um i think in photorealistic picture imaging so i sometimes uh, i used to always think it give me huge anxieties because i didn't know how to articulate um at speed what i'm seeing because i respond to certain words that people are saying also a picture will jump up and then stay with me and my mind wants to analyze the picture. <laughs> so what's really interesting is that these days I know I can help people who are much, much higher needs, autistic or neurodivergent in whatever way. So I'd like to just foreground now that thing too of like doing a radio interview. Um, it's so about the voice and about voice recognition. And because I think a lot in pictures, the pictures come from things I'm saying, things Andrew might say or things you might say. So it's an interesting place for me to try and dodge those abstracts. It's actually a beautiful thing to be able to bring that onto air as well because myself being um, with a performance background as well, it's nice to paint pictures and yeah, go beyond just the words as well. So thank you for that, Dean. Yeah, yeah, and it's and like what people don't understand as well is that dance, you know, obviously it's a very dance and choreo choreography is very, very physically centered, but dance is in all of its forms, and in particular, you know, First Nations, and this is where you and I met many, many years ago in NASDA, National Aboriginal Islander Skills Development Association, where I taught, you know, dance and yoga stretch, and there was always this culture there of 
so much of a melting pot of what dance was. It was contemporary Western dance. It was also First Nations elders coming down to the centre and, and bringing, you know, deep time. There was these beautiful fusions. And, you know, whilst dance is very physical and of the moment, it's also moving our systems, our internal systems and our other sense-making processes in also very visual and multi-sensory ways. Yes. But don't you feel like there is something behind the dance that is informing it as much as music is being informed by the same place? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, if you're talking about an ancient... Said the composer to the choreographer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking, I feel like in bed with Madonna. <laughs> Literally, I'm in bed with Madonna. I'm in Madonna. <laughs> Sorry, we're being we're being so debauched. But listen, you know that's part of it as well, right? What's madness? There's a beauty in the mayhem and the weird. You just jogged my memory. In my dreams last night, I, well, in reality, I spent a year in South Africa straight after Naysdale, and I dreamt of some South wow. African um, acquaintances, but they were over in Australia. But we were teaching out in the townships. Um, yeah. And one young, one young student, he came up afterwards and he said, because through dance, he said, thank you so much. I've never felt this in my blood before. I've, my blood has never felt like this. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful yeah that that dance oh and yeah and connecting and that awareness of the internal systems that, that yeah that sub sub aquatic life that we have well i was going to us. say there's the beautiful correlations and connections again with um you know this idea of water bodies you know our bodies are made up you know 72 and 76 percent water right and that's very much the same with the earth in its ratio of the liquid. But we don't think about liquid in the sky as well. The, the hydrosphere is named as such because it's full of water. Our bodies are water, the other animals' bodies are water, plants retain water, there's water underneath the you know, sub-aquifers, there's a massive amount of water around the world. And, you know, it's all tidal and so too are we. But inside our bodies, we have a microbiome, you know, made up of millions of different organisms. And so we literally are a walking ecology for a whole host of other phenomenal species that without us, they wouldn't exist and vice versa. Without them, we wouldn't. And they're down deep yeah. in our subaquatic, you know, space for want of a better distillation. But and then you start moving that with ancient, uh, you know, into that you know the notion of genetic memory and where movement comes from where sensation comes from where multiple sense making processes not just our brain and how ancient all of that is and we all share it and we share it through the through the intelligence of the frequency and and resonance of ancient movement and sound song I've got this little theory about non-corporeal uh, beings um, being hosted with comp uh, uh, corporeal beings, as in thought being passed down from generation to generation, uh, thought living through us as well. I think the human body is, although a uh, environment for the microbiome as well as our own 
corporeal expression. It is also a place where, um, as well as our homes, our design, our art, our everything, is an expression of these uh, thought identity, uh, thought entities, one could say, that also pervade our uh, biosphere at the same time. And it's important to, to consider them as such from my perspective. But this is kind of the entire reason why I got into Weirdness to begin with. I was on this residency in Perth. I was the inaugural composer in residence at this place called Gallup House, which very prestigious. It's a bloody mansion in Dalkeith in Perth. And I, as a solo composer, I had the whole house to myself. You could sleep 15 people in that place. And for the first time in my life, I was removed from my uh, self, my very corporate self of being a, uh, the publisher of Limelight magazine, as well as a very uh, artistic construct identity that had been built within the Sydney scene of contemporary classical music, which was very uh, constricting in, in, in many ways, um, an identity that I created, you know, fabricated as I think many artists in my generation have felt the need to because of the commercial media that, have been, that has been thrown at us since we were kids, you know, televisions and computers uh, wired um, into the, the greater commercialization of identity and art. But um, I got to Gallup House and for the first time I got to be intellectually nude and have fun with other artists without there being a commercial outcome or a, I guess, a, a grant outcome or whatever, you know, tied to it. And I, I experimented with dance for the first time and discovered that there's a lot more, I guess, not discovered or stumbled upon, but, but realised deeply that there's a lot more to being than cerebral performance. And so I just moved more and more and, and realized all these healthy benefits to my mental health and my, my physical health in movement and later in vocal expression and, and then I met Dean who is the embodiment of diversity for me and he opened me up to a whole world in terms of marine biology and his understanding of water and his practice called primordially and I have the business now, as well as, you know, very good artistic now in music composition. And Dean had this fantastic sort of, I don't want to call it a theory, because it's, well, it's, it's, it's a, a research, practice. A research practice. Yeah. And, and going back to this idea of research, I too, Gavin, I love the idea of research because it also says that we're just constantly learning. It's not about going out and researching. And this is what people, when I got the Australia Council um, two-year fellowship in 2011 and 2012, I mean, I was so stoked. It was unbelievable. But I, I literally went in there and I now look back and I go, total Aspie, total ADH, just going so deep into the fact that I actually had $45,000 a year for two years and I could just live and do my thing. And I so wanted to change from looking at masculinity, monstrous masculinity, homophobic violence in the family and in the social realm, domestic violence, sexual abuse, all of those other things. And, you know, my work was really quite political, always quite witty and ironic so that it wasn't taking itself too seriously. 
But then I also realised coming back from working overseas for three years with DB8 Physical Theatre and some of these other big companies over there that I just really didn't like the company culture. I didn't mm. like the violence and the abuse and the, and the neglect that was happening within certain companies. The reductionism. And the reductionism mm. and so much of it, so much of it about straight masculine heterosoc. Mm. Cultural um, imperialism. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was about when I came back, I wanted to find, like I, like you, also really loved the marine realms because in, for some, for a while, for about four years, we lived in the central coast when I was a kid and I would just take off from all the violence and, and a way to escape the clutches of um, an abusive man. And I just disappear all day, sometimes into way into the night, and just go fishing with these old fishermen and their wise old tales. And these women who would sit out, um, some of them, Indigenous women, would sit out at Edelong Beach and just be yarning on, and I'd just hang out with them. I just loved the marine environment so much. It was so cleansing whilst in the midst of trauma being happening to me and all around me. and being like this constant sort of tasting my adrenal adrenaline all the time and so coming back to why I moved in you know I came back from overseas and I wanted to um I just wanted to go somewhere else with my content base and I started to think what if I was to make up a system that's based on all of my eclectic independent uh, sort of personal interests in, in dance in contemporary performance and queer performance. What if I was to take that and expand it now with all the other knowledge of wonderful people I've worked with in my time to distilling some kind of a system so I could reference it and somehow connect the marine environmental awareness of climate change from a, an aquatic point of view because it's it's huge it's it's a massive problem and but so back then I went and so I went to a few conferences and things and I was just so taken aback by these world-renowned people and First Nations people as well from all over the world coming to these bigger conferences in Australia and talking about what's going on in them marine or island homes and things and I just thought Fuck, we need to do something about this I had I had no idea it was this bad and that really climate change can be measured and balanced very much about what's happening in the ocean and it's, and it's incredible how the IPCC report came out earlier this week and we're still having to campaign for uh, a strong governmental action on climate change in Australia. It's ridiculous. I mean, Dean, what year are you talking about back then when the conferences were happening for you? So there was a major conference at Carriageworth. Critical Path is Australia's leading choreographic research centre and it started up in the early 2000s and really petitioned by a whole bunch of independents here in Sydney as needing a place to research not just to make works but to research with all other manner of ways to come about you know choreography and choreography is is a, as you know Gavin it's a very big and detailed practice and science really in some levels of it and so Critical Path was this place to research and I took up a bunch of uh, residencies with some dance friends of mine and we started creating ways that we could distill a whole bunch of these choreographic 
ideas and um, formulations and physically based disciplines and see how they could help all people, no matter where you're from, you know, help us all to communicate through an embodied practice, marine environmental understandings. And, and then I got invited to the Tipping Point Conference at Courage Works for 2010. And um, that was three days and it was phenomenal. It was artists and scientists and communications people coming together like hundreds of them in every state of Australia and across the world. It was this Turing thing called the tipping point. And that was it. That was for me meeting all of these different visual artists and installation artists and film artists. But a few friends like uh, Latai Tomopo and Victoria Hunt as dance colleagues were also there. And it just, I felt like that conference was just the beginning of people starting to finally wake up to the fact that we have a really big problem <laughs> and that was 2010 and in terms of artists should be it's time for us to start speaking about nature and what we're doing to it so cutting back to where I thought well that's a perfect junction for me in 2008 I started scuba diving and everything just went whoa like I'm a picture person so I suddenly realized how I could bring scuba diving and make it a kind of consistent you know physically led conduit to exploring and developing a system or a methodology of embodied practice that is connected to oceanic understandings and that's where I'm at and have been and um, I've made it very inclusive of people living with intellectual disability or neurodivergency or other disabilities and also people living with mental health and just trying to be as open as possible to find a practice that is really, truly, authentically diverse. It's not just about spoken, intellectually busting language, that it's also felt down deep again in our water bodies, our own and our combined understanding of what, a, you know, what lives in a realm of water, because it's all of our tides. So we've been abusing the world for so long I'm now bringing the abuse focused only on anthropocentric or human to human. And I still think it's important to focus on all of that, absolutely. But also let's turn the spectrum or the prism around and have a look at what we as a species, if Earth is our only home, then we've been committing massive mm -hmm. domestic violence yes. against other beings that we don't know or don't want to know about. For, for way too long, especially the last 50 to 80 years. That truth is so disgusting and it's something that humans just um, decide to not deal with, that we are so inhumane on the way and in the way that we practice our daily lives. It's, it's really shocking and it's horrid. I was going to ask Dean and Andrew, with your combined experience, I guess all the information and everything that you've been involved in during your journey, how does that come out in terms of the work you do with Weird Nest? Sure, I'll be really quick with this one and then give it over to Andrew. But I've been wanting to have a company for Yonks probably about 15 to 20 years. And I've had several friends of mine here and overseas say, oh, you really should. You've got so many great ideas. You know how to churn out a movement real quick. Um, you know, and I, I just was 
always shying away from that. Like when the tender came up for Force Majeure and for several other companies, Legs in the Wall and others, people would be pressing me over the last sort of 15 years to go into these companies. And I was just terrified because I knew I wouldn't be able to function. And I have, I have a real dysfunction in those areas because there's, especially around the timeframes that certain things administratively and person-to-person communicatively are needed, but also just the consistency, like I can get very overrun by life real quick <laughs> and have a sensory overload and feel it physically and it comes out emotionally. And that can have me, you know, under wraps for a week or two. And I used to push through it at my own detriment. And these days I don't, I'm trying to honor that part of me and it's it's working but it's a big juggle so with weird nest we wanted to both andrew and i talked about because i introduced andrew to a lot of people with disability that i work with and a lot of youth with intellectual disability or delayed learning disability or neurodivergency you know heavy bipolar complex trauma autism i wanted to show andrew that these people so many of these people have been left not only on the sideline but way out of the focus of what can be gained for society and for social functioning by embracing them and learning how to live with us actually Mm, we need to all listen to one another more and I think it's time for us to start talking about what this idea of trauma is not just getting on and confessing that you know this and that happened to me but how do these processes that we're all we're trying to go on individually that are really painful how do they resonate with other people and other communities and other groups that are experiencing this you know as well and where do we find that space between the individuals talking of trauma and how that impacts our own body and our own ecological systems and the impact of greater than our own body, meaning groups and people close to us, of all living persuasions, and then beyond us as a species, as they say, the extended cognition, which is the understanding that our, our human bodies are way intelligent beyond ourselves out into the environment and it's time for us to be switched on to that and that's not about you know us all needing to turn into you know peace loving hippies if that's a fear but it's about just being bloody well connected to basic physics and maths and whatever that means spiritually so we wanted to form a company that would be able to take my quirk way of thinking on board without me feeling that I had to always censor myself or mask or you know that I could still uh, say at you know today or for the next week I can't do this and this and this otherwise I'm going to tip so others would be able to take that on board and I can just single focus on what I need to do without ending up in that horrible space and then I can be more freed up to give that same gesture out to several other people who are working with us at the time. So we wanted to have an umbrella of this idea of queerness stretched into the idea of beyond just 
queer as a terminology for gender identity or more into engendered state that constantly shifts identity. And that's around the space of being wonderful and weird and strange and not fearing that space of really intuitive, cognitive, instinctual difference, I guess. And that's hence Weird Nest is there to try. We're slowly growing it up to be this um, platform that is a performance arts-based platform with this marine environmental understanding and truly engaging all diversity, I guess, as mm. much as we possibly can without it being didactic and decentralizing control Dean, as well. Dean, I, I love that. I've received goosebumps twice, I'm just talking to Andrew and yourself here. How do the people involved, especially the youth, how do you find what they bring to weirdness and also what are the youth um, revealing and um, sharing in terms of how you guys help facilitate their journey? We work with primarily with kids who live with intellectual or cognitive disability. As Dean said earlier, the current group we're working with are aged between 11 and 18 years old. And it's a mixture of boys and girls and uh, a mixture of uh, abilities or, or diagnoses. And, and we don't really need to be privy to the exact diagnosis of every kid because all of these young people who come into our space, our you know, creative space, have lived through very, very traumatic social contexts. These are kids who are bullied and excluded at school and their parents have to deal with what that brings up for them as well as an inherently inaccessible world. What I'm hearing also, Andrew, is the weird nest is also like I was saying the other day, I was thinking of a, a net, as in the ocean, but the weird nest is also like a safety net. And, and do you find that the youth involved with weirdness and the work that you do in the community, they feel that as well, that it's, it's their space too? And it's safe? Yeah, uh, particularly during the pandemic, Dean's been, oh, like in our fabulous Sydney lockdown, uh, Dean's been giving them one-on-one -on -one sessions outdoors as a necessary... Essential work. Uh, as essential allow. work. So within that space, that's a different type of, you know, far more focused degree of freedom giving. Um, whereas uh, within the studio, it's more of a social uh, freedom giving context, I think you could say. We really focus on creative agency and so the kids are given the opportunity to express themselves in absolutely any way they like. And obviously when you're dealing with kids, you know, it can get quite silly. <laughs> and we need, we need to have some sort of safety protocols and, and um, behaviors, you know, that we encourage, which of course we do, because at the end of the day, we want these beautiful, 
people to grow into adults that are able to live happy lives and are socially aware of the uh, expectations around them, you know, behaviorally. And also where that, what their position in, in life can be, you know, and how to claim that through yeah. creative agency again. So we don't just focus on dance and music. We focus on theater because I've done lots of that. We also both visual artists and, I've made my own sets for a long time. So we do things like setting the scene where they, a couple of them are more focused on really being interested for the future in set and costume design. So we'll bring in bags and bags of costumes we've got from Vinnie's and just let it all be much more about art. If we're really authentically focused on these guys, on these kids, on these people, then it really questions Innovation. Mm. Uh, I, I Innovation guess, becomes a necessity, uh, and necessity is the mother of in, invention. So it's just this beautiful thing that that just occurs. To to drop it into um, uh, concrete examples, you know, we had one girl start with us at the end of last year, and within a few months, she went from completely nonverbal with us to to verbal like as in speaking words and sentences and expressing herself, which is beautiful uh, mm. to, to watch somebody who starts completely shut down, find confidence and safety to then start expressing themselves and understanding that they're not going to be judged for what they express. And then other people finding a sense of themselves wanting to participate in an activity as a director yeah. or, or, or in a leadership position. So we're starting to see some of these kids. So I um, I have a friend who's in his early 30s uh, living with Down syndrome and I've been working with him for 10 years now, James Penny, and he's just a beautiful person. And he's, a, he's, he's just come so far and he's his own director and uh, we're making a solo for him and for me and for Andrew and another kid from this uh, group in Bondi. Also, uh, um, Emily uh, Rickett, who's only 16, but my God, she has so much talent beaming from her. Also living with Down syndrome, but she has so much talent beaming from her as the potential for being a director and choreographer. And I, there's no course out there, Gavin, at all. There's no course out there in Australia that will take people in properly and equitably like this. And so, and we're not the only ones doing it. There's quite a few other groups growing up and we're trying to remain connected as a kind of satellite community now to say, look, you know, just as with First Nations um, visibility, just as with queer visibility, just as with refugee visibilities, disability is this sort of last bastion, really, for me, of what has shut us down as a society. It's, it's put people who of difference right out on the ledge and underneath the um, floorboards. It's time to question all of this and bring it up and invite the complexity and throw it all around, you know, with a huge dollop of love. Exactly. <laughs> and justice. So true. That's Dean Walsh and Andrew Batrolden from Weirdnest. Such important work that they're both doing within our community. Find out more about Weirdnest and everything that they're involved with by going to weirdnest.com. You've been listening to The Brekkie Show. Thank you so much. And don't forget, you can find out more about The Current Motion by going to The Current Motion, Instagram, Facebook, and, of course, on the website. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. And remember, be nice to yourself 
be nice to each other. Keep smiling. God has blessed. One love. You are listening to The Current Motion. To become involved and find out more about what we do, go to www.tunnelroadproductions.com. 